Well, just to um, share here uh, what we've been doing at ACF since prior to Easter, we've just been going through uh, types and shadows and just the history um, and the build-up towards Passover, the interim period between Passover to the Ascension, uh, from the Ascension, the last 10 days until today, the day of Pentecost. We remember the day of Pentecost. So it's been absolutely powerful. Um, and I've really enjoyed just investigating this whole time and basically preaching of, you know, sort of a calendar time event um, concerning the life of Jesus. And today, of course, in the person of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, Jesus had made a promise to his disciples and or given them a commandment in Luke 24, 49, going to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is called the promise of the Father or the spirit of promise or the promised Holy Spirit. So he was promised to us, but then he also becomes the spirit of promise because he brings to fulfillment all the promises of God in our life. And Jesus said to him, do not leave Jerusalem, Acts chapter 1, but wait for the gift of my Father. The, the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that was a dual action thing. And I want to just talk a little bit about that with certain manifestations. What a historic day. You know, everything that Jesus did was significant, historic, and we celebrate each one of them, but it's all part of the whole of his coming from his birth to his ascension, to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's all part of the great redemptive plan and redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these words were absolutely filled on the day of Pentecost, 10 days later. So let's read the historical record of it in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. And it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come or came, they were all together in one place, because that's what Jesus told them to, 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 to do. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And you know, I've often said that the Holy Spirit can fill places as well as people. So I'm praying that wherever you're watching this morning, in your home, in your bedroom, wherever you're watching, that the Holy Spirit just blows in and fills the place as well as the person. And I mean, I want I want places filled with the Holy Spirit. I want cities filled with the Holy Spirit, um, as well as, as, as people, as well as bodies. And so it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And I trust this morning as well that if you're watching this uh, broadcast and you've not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but more importantly, if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, that you would give your life to Jesus. Maybe you backslidden, but you would come back to Jesus. And then you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise that is to you and your children and your children's children and to all of them that are far off, that is us. So it's so powerful that in Acts chapter 2, um, I think it's from verse 14 onwards, the apostle Peter stands up and starts preaching. Um, and, and I want you to know that this was the first Christian sermon. You know, the, you know, there were sermons before, but they were not Christian sermons. This is the first Christian sermon. And the apostle Peter was the one who through a word of wisdom is able, enabled to interpret this phenomena and fit it into the scripture of Joel chapter 2. This is that which was promised through the prophet Joel. And of course, after the preaching, Acts 4 and verse 31, um, or, or 2 verse 31, that very same day, um, some 3,000 people were baptized and became the people of God. So here it is. It's so powerful. The church had begun. Woo! A second covenant, you know, New Testament. We'll refer to that later. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, and I need you to hear this. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, can properly be called the birthday of the church. So, Johann wants to sing you a song. And early this morning, the Holy Spirit woke him up. He didn't hear the voice message that I sent him. So, this is it. This is the song. Happy birthday to you, 
Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear church of God. Happy birthday to you. So as the church of Jesus Christ, happy birthday to you. And I know some of uh, ACF members have got birthdays today as well. So what a day to have a birthday. It's like having a birthday on the 25th of December, you know, the day of Pentecost. So happy birthday, church. And Paul tells us in Galatians 4 that the church, which is from above, she is the mother of us all. So we were given birth on this day. So happy birthday, Christ Life Ministries. Happy birthday, ACF. Just a very quick overview uh, before we get into some scriptures. And I need to fly because I've got some stuff that I want to share with you. And, and that is this, basically from the Passover day, Thursday, Friday, whenever the day was, um, it was the beginning of a series of festivals and, and holy days um, and feasts that, that are absolutely amazing and absolutely significant. You know, the Passover lamb was sacrificed at three o'clock on the Friday afternoon. Let's call it Friday afternoon. And that was the time that Jesus was crucified right at the time of the evening sacrifice. And of course, the great Passover sacrifices, the great Passover celebration began. But the next day, which was a Sabbath, also uh, marked the beginning of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, where the Israelites would break uh, bake bread without yeast. And for seven days, they would eat unleavened bread. It's interesting that the first Passover, the exit from Egypt, they actually ate unleavened bread for about 30 days, I believe. And, uh, but, but the point of this was that they were now in an exodus, exiting Egypt, heading towards the promised land. And you know, as well as I do, that the first obstacle that came to was uh, the Red Sea. And uh, when they got there, uh, it was about a week later. And so their deliverance happened somewhere around a week later, somewhere around a Sabbath, where they then passed over, passed through and entered um, into the wilderness as they journeyed towards the promised land. But for the seven days, they were eating um, unleavened, unleavened bread. So that was the period of the unleavened bread. Started basically the same time of the Passover and en ended a week later. And the significance of it was that we are leaving Egypt and bread is the word and, and yeast is sin or, or corruption. And they were saying, we're leaving Egypt and we're leaving behind the leaven of Egypt. We're leaving behind the corruption um, of the world. And we're only feasting on the pure word of God, the bread of God, as we move out um, of Egypt into the promised land. And what symbolism and what significance is in that? It's amazing. But the other thing that happened was on the end of the Sabbath, the day after the crucifixion of Jesus, um, pre-selected um, um, a section of the barley harvest, which had been inspected, the priests would go out with a scythe and they would cut down a sheaf or an omar, omar of barley. And this was then taken in on a Sunday morning and it was waived as an offering of first fruits before the Lord. And again, how significant on the day that Jesus rose from the dead. So he becomes the firstborn, the first fruits from amongst the dead. So we are the church of the firstborn. And so there was a first fruit harvest. And of course, included in that were all the saints prior to that time who had died in the Lord, in, you know, in righteousness and had been resurrected. And so they were with Christ, the first fruits that were resurrected from the dead. And then, of course, began the counting of the weeks. And so from that Sabbath, they counted seven Sabbaths. Um, so that would be 49, seven sevens of 49. And so it was called the counting of the Omer. And every single day, they would count the Omer. They would uh, mark off the days, counting down towards the 49th day. And um, they would then pronounce a blessing um, on the counting of the days. For example, today is... Uh, day 23 of the counting of the Omar, and they would speak a blessing over the harvest and over the people. And this was counted off to the seventh seven, which would be a Sabbath, which would, would have been, say, in today's calendar, yesterday, 
And then the day after, of course, would have been the 50th day. And the 50th day then would be the day of Pentecost. So it was called um, by different names. So it was called the Feast of Weeks or the Counting of the Omar. It was called the Feast of the Harvest. Um, it was also called the Day of the First Fruits, which was that Sabbath. And that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And so when it got to the day of Pentecost, basically that whole period was was kind of holidays, but more specifically, the Sabbaths were really holy days until we got to the 50th day, Pentecost in the Greek. The Hebrew, the, the, uh, the Jews call it Shavuot. And so that's the day. In historic churches, you know, they call it Whit Sunday because it was a day of great celebration. It was a day of great rejoicing. It was really interesting that the day of Pentecost was a festive rejoicing, woohoo, happy, you know, hand clamping, clapping, foot stomping, you know, giving praise to God, glorifying God, celebrating day. And of course, there were sacrifices, but there were meals together. And the amazing thing was that, uh, you know, the Passover foreshadowed the death of Jesus, the first fruits foreshadowed the resurrection of Jesus, and now Pentecost foreshadows his uh, continuous um, forever abiding presence in, in the heart of every believer. So you can't separate the days. As I said, you can't separate Pentecost from Passover. It's all linked together. It's the day when Jesus came to indwell a group of people, and now it includes us, and the, that group of people became his sanctuary, became his body, became his church on earth. And we all together as living stones are being built up into a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. And I mean, it's absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I really felt in my heart and, and one of the um, uh, families in the church contacted me and they said, Pastor John, you need to do something. And so I want to just include this right now in this message. So the day of Pentecost was a day of festivity, a day of celebration, a day of great joy, because um, what happened was um, and so let me just finish the story. So that Easter Sunday morning, um, they would bring in a, a, a sheaf of, or an omar of barley, and they would wave that before the Lord. But the 49 days later, the 50th day, was um, also marked the end of the wheat harvest. And so they would then um, um, gather another sheaf of wheat, and then the grain would be taken um, out of that, and, and two loaves would be baked, mixed with oil, and uh, poured over with wine. And so the end of the wheat harvest really represents now the birth of the church. Why barley? Why wheat? Barley was regarded as the poor man's food. You know, it was just basic food. Wheat was regarded as food fit for kings. And so basically the symbolism is we've gone from eating things that is just common, you know, plain food, but now we're eating of the word of God. Now we're eating king's food. This is royalty food. Um, and often the Jews refer to wheat as this is people's food. It's not fodder. This is people's food. And so, and so it became a loaf, two loaves that now the Jew and the Gentile Jews and us, we are together. We are one love. It was infused with oil. In other words, we had the oil of the Holy Spirit inside. Wine with it, which meant that we have the Spirit over us and upon us. And of course, it's the wine of his joy. Oil is to make the face shine. You know, <clears throat> uh, wine gladdens the heart and bread sustains the spirit of the man, the psalmist says. So there's just so much symbolism. So what a day. But one of the things that they did on this day as well, the people would then take offerings and bless not only the poor, not only one another, but they would bless the Levites, the priests. So those of you in Christ Life Ministries, maybe, I just want to encourage you, hear from the Spirit of God, hear God, just be obedient. Why don't you bless your man of God? Why don't you bless your woman of God? Why don't you bless... Pastor Herod and Lene, and say, today is a day of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And of course, they are spiritual people and are leading you in the whole charisma of the Holy Spirit. So why don't you share some of your substance with them? And I'm not saying this to put pressure on you, and especially those of you who are under financial pressure, but something that will come from your heart as we celebrate this day of Pentecost. And of course, for those of you who want to bless your hand, bless your hand. For those of you of ACF, and many of you have, and many of you do, 
But um, if it's what God is saying to you, I just sense in my heart, now is a good time for you to give an offering to the Levite, to the, the man, the woman of God um, in your life that minister the spirit of God to you. You can do it now. You can do it at the end of the meeting, but don't forget. But I want to press on um, with the, 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 the message now. So without Pentecost, you and I would be endeavoring to serve God, but we would no, be no better than the Jews. We would have the letter without the spirit, and the letter without the spirit is still a letter that kills. Isn't it amazing that the, the dynamic change in this group of people post the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I mean, they don't even look like the same group of people prior to just the day before they were afraid maybe they were praying but the, the period before they were afraid and now and look at the dynamic change in the apostle peter standing up and boldly preaching the word of god with power <clears throat> so we cannot do without the the person and the work of the holy spirit and i just want to give you three reasons for Pentecost, three reasons for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And of course, there's much, much, much more. I was I did a study on it and I was reviewing it and going through it just a couple of months ago. And I think there was 56 or, or 60, somewhere around 60 odd typed A4 pages, you know, not big font, little font, um, you know, um, number 12 <laughs> of pages of the baptism, the personal work of the Holy Spirit. So really it's, it's a, a great subject. <clears throat> But the three reasons, the first one is the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Man, for the first time in the history of all of humankind, not only in the history of believers, for the first time in redemptive history, the Spirit of God, God himself, came to dwell in, to indwell human beings. From, uh, in the Old Testament, from time to time, he would visit them. He would come upon them for special functions and for purposes, for offices. But never before that the whole body of Christ could be infused and indwelt with the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Of course, and he is the third person of the Trinity. So he is God. And we worship him as God. So now and from now on, the residence of God, the dwelling place of God, Revelations 21, is, is that God dwells with us. <clears throat> That's how all of those prophecies became fulfilled, that he's Emmanuel, that he's Jehovah Shammah, that he's in us, that he's with us. And of course, Jesus promised that in John chapter 14, we'll look at some of those verses earlier. So um, what, a, what a powerful day. So I want to just go through a few verses. Um, if you can just bear with me, I want to just read a couple of verses and maybe make a comment here or there. But, but in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, when the day of Pentecost arrived, when it was fully come, they were all together in one place. And I've given you the background. I've given you some of the symbolism. And it's all powerful. And we can go and study some more of it. But the 120 that were there experienced things that they felt. They heard things. They saw things. It wasn't just a little quiet thing. No, they, they heard a violent wind like that of a hurricane. It wasn't a calm breeze. It was a powerful wind when the Spirit came in and uh, took residence upon their lives. Everything spoke about power. Everything was supernatural. Um, everything was forceful. Everything was energetic. There was a dunamis behind everything, even in the manifestations as the Holy Spirit came. And of course, that speaks to our lives, that he is the dynamo, the dynamite, the energizer in our lives. And divided tongues of fire came to rest on each one of them. Um, and, and of course, the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, we can, we can uh, it's, it's a supernatural event, and we can just skip through Scripture and see um, how there was fire of the burning bush. You know, when um, the Bible refers to the, the, the angel of his presence, which means uh, theophany, which means God was in the bush, that he spoke through the bush. Um, it's really interesting that we are likened to trees. So you and I now are infused with the very fire of God. So if you want to know the address of God, he lives right in you, right in your address. And so we are God's presence. We are the burning bush. He led the Israelites with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And so we now have the leading of the Holy Spirit. And of course, on the Mount Sinai, when the Lord was given, God came down as a consuming fire. And, and uh, isn't that really awesome? 
And that was the establishment of the first covenant. But now divided tongues of fire come and rest upon each one saying, this is the presence. This is where the leading of the Holy Spirit is. And this, of course, was the inauguration of the promised new covenant, Jeremiah 29, Ezekiel uh, 31, 32, uh, where the law of God is written on our hearts, not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. And the ink is by the pen and by the finger of the Holy Spirit. So um, really, really powerful stuff. And so all were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were Jews from all over the world. It's interesting that when they come together, um, the, the, the apostles were praising God in tongues, um, but there was an, a translation, there was an interpretation between the mouths of the 120 to the ears of the crowds of the hearers, and more than 15 languages present. They say, we hear them in our own tongues declaring the praises of God. What an incredible, incredible miracle. How is it that each one of us hear um, in our own native language. Verse 9 says there were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Jew, people from Judah or Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, and Rome. Um, there were Jews, proselytes, Cretans, Arabs. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed. And they started saying to one another, the majority, what does this mean? Some of them, of course, began to mock and ridicule and say they are filled with new wine. Peter's response, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's too early for them to get drunk. Yeah, uh, some places in the world seem to accomplish that. But we need to be being filled with the Holy Spirit and stay drunk in the Holy Spirit by continuous infillings, Ephesians 5.18. This was the phenomena. This, these were the manifestations of the promised event that Jesus promised not only in the Gospels, but in the early part of uh, Acts chapter 1, go wait in Jerusalem, John baptized you in water, uh, but the medium is going to change. Just as you were immersed in water in John's baptism, you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit through the baptism that I give. And so uh, it's really powerful. And I want to just try and bring this together in this particular section called the arrival of the Holy Spirit. Paul says it, um, uh, in several places, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and you're all made to drink, drink of the one spirit. And he says it in Galatians 3, 26 to 28, powerful verses, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith, for as many as uh, were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you all one in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, that's good news for our rainbow nation. It's not a white brother or a black sister. No, no, no. We're all believers. We're one in Christ Jesus. It's not an Indian brother, you know. Uh, you know, it's not a colored sister. No, no, we are all one in Christ Jesus, baptized into him. Paul tells us. And, and this was something that was initiated at the day of Pentecost, that was initiated at the birth of the church. And that was this, when Jesus said, I will baptize you in not many days. And I see that there's two aspects for it. Some Bible teachers separate it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I still like to see it as one thing, but with two aspects to it. And, and, um, and yes, I'm, I'm taking into account what happened in John 21, when Jesus breathed on the apostles and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There was something for them, but this was um, a bigger group of people, 120 representative of the church. Because remember when Solomon built the temple and dedicated the temple and everything was ready and the fire of God fell so much so that the priests couldn't stand to minister. There were 120 priests in the uh, Solomon's temple standing to minister when the spirit fell and uh, the fire fell and they could not stand to minister. Well, here it is, 120 filling symbolism, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they're able to stand and to minister in the new dispensation 
of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Spirit of God fell, he baptized them in two senses. Number one, he placed them into the body of Christ. Wow, that's really awesome. So they became the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, I want to just uh, mention the second aspect, of course, was when he baptized them, because baptism means to be put into. But there was a second aspect, and that was the filling, because something was then put into them. Um, in classic Greek, water baptism or baptism can also refer to, for example, a sunken wooden battleship where the water is not only, um, you know, over the, the wood of the boat, but the wood becomes so waterlogged, so soggy, so um, um, in other words, it's impenetrated with the water. So the water is not only without, it's within. And so these are the two important aspects of the day of Pentecost, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so the baptism in the Holy Spirit, number one means I'm placed into Christ. The second is Christ is placed into me. In other words, the first baptism where I am placed into Christ, I'm put into his body. And then I am then Christ is taken and put into my body. I'm baptized into him, and then I am filled with him. The two aspects of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the baptism is final. When you are baptized into the body of Christ, that's it. But you can be filled over and over again, and that is up to us. And that's what Paul tells us in Ephesians 5 verse 18. Be being continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. That's our responsibility. Interesting to me that through the book of Acts, not only Peter, but Paul, several times it refers to them and they were all filled and, and Peter standing filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, looked and, and, and uh, rebuked and cursed the sorcerer. And so they were filled. But not only that, you know, it's, um, I, I mentioned it, this great transition took place. Um, um, really amazing as they moved from one covenant to another, one dispensation to another, one heaven and earth to another heaven and earth. They were one set of creatures. Now they're a new set of creatures. They were that creation, the old, but now that is gone. Now they are new creation in Christ Jesus. They had one degree of glory. Now they have another degree of glory. One was a veiled face. Now, oh man, I'm telling you, I'm getting excited. Please can I have a hallelujah? Um, where's taste? Where's Halga? Where's somebody? Just shout amen, hallelujah. Type it in so that I can see. I'm going to go on and have a look now. Um, and so, you know, one was veiled face. One was an open face. One was a fading glory. And, and Moses didn't want them to see the end of the glory. The other one is an ever-increasing glory where we are transformed. And uh, the reflection that we're looking at is reflecting onto our face. And then like with mirrors, we are reflecting that glory like the moon does the sun. Oh, powerful. Man, oh, man, oh, man. I'm enjoying the sermon. You must be listening because you're dragging um, this really out of me, and I'm, I'm enjoying this. Very interesting. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about this phenomena of tongues in the church and the practice of tongues, and he, he's talking about it, and uh, um, he's, he's basically saying um, that prophecy is a sign for believers, but tongues is a sign to unbelievers. And, you know, I couldn't understand and, 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 and you know, there's more to it than what we, or what I have taught. I'm, I'm sure Claret has already taught you guys the right way, but I understood something. You know that in, in Isaiah 28, there's a prophetic word, you know, stammering lips and the stuttering tongue. God will speak to this people, you know, the line upon line, precept upon precept people. He was talking to the people of the law. He's talking to the Israelites and the Jews. And he was saying, there's a day that is coming then with people with stammering lips and stuttering tongue are going to speak to you. And that was, was not a good thing. Basically, what Isaiah was prophesying was, this is your judgment. And this is part of the judgment of God. This is part of the visitation of his wrath. And so when Paul includes it, he's saying, when the day of Pentecost and when we stand up and speak in tongues, it's a judgment on the unbelieving um, Jews who refuse to believe and they never received the greater glory. They never received the spirit of God. And, uh, and so prophecy is for the believer. Tongues is for the unbeliever and more particularly um, for the Jews. I'm demonstrating that to them, the old is gone, the new has come. The old sanctuary is going to be taken down and shut down. The new sanctuary is going to be open and uh, the veil taken away. How powerful is that? And so there's a greater application to 1 Corinthians 14, 21 and 22. 
And so, of course, they would say, the Jews would say, you're out of your mind, because Christ was to them a stumbling block to the Jews. Um, he, he was just foolish. Uh, to the Greeks, he was foolishness. So why the gift of tongues at Pentecost? Why? It's very interesting. Um, we have to just remind ourselves of the story of the Tower of Babel, where the people said, let us build us as a city. And let us build a tower unto God. Here is um, a united effort of people without the spirit of God and saying, let us be a city, but it would be a fleshly, earthly, um, self-justified human effort, you know, human system city. Let us build us a city. And when God saw it, he uh, divided them by languages and they scattered all over the world and that work of that city um, um, uh, diminished and uh, dissipated. It came to an end. It's interesting that when Abraham went to the promised land, um, he was looking for a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God. But the city that he saw in the vision, he could not see. Um, is, isn't it interesting that um, Paul tells us that, and now we are the city of the living God. We are that city. So Abraham was looking for us. I love that old hymn. I wouldn't, maybe I'll just try and sing, looking for a city. And, and he couldn't find it because he had seen something. But what he saw prophetically was us when we became the new Jerusalem. So not only was the church of Jesus Christ born, but secondly, Mount Zion was established as the chief of mountains, Isaiah chapter two. So we are now Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. Jesus said it. You are a city set on a hill. So in other words, you're a hill, you're the city, and the city is the light because you cannot hide the light of the world. Man, Pastor Herod, I'm enjoying myself so much. Thank you for this. What a blessing. But here at Babel, God destroyed the city and divided the people with languages. On the day of Pentecost, the new Jerusalem, the city of God was established. So so divided people, divided languages were all united together with a common language of the spirit and came together in unity. And so the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, um, the mount uh, was established. And of course, that's what Paul refers to in, uh, first, I mean, in Hebrews chapter 12. We're not coming to a physical flaming burning mountain that can be touched. No, we've come to Mount Zion and all of its descriptions. How powerful. And you know, this is exactly what Jesus promised in John 14, verse 12, I've got to hurry. And, uh, and in John 14, 16 to 17, and John 16 to 7, and uh, verse 7. And I just want to read this where he promised the Holy Spirit. You know the scriptures, but this one. Nevertheless, he said to his disciples, and you know, I used to read this and think, how is that? How could Jesus even think of saying that? He said, I tell you the truth. It is for your, to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, the helper will come because I will send him to you. I won't leave you as orphans, he said, but I will come to you. And it's for your good that I go away. I, one um, preacher said this, J.D. Greer says this, the spirit inside me is better than Jesus beside me. Wow, that's got to be an amen. Let me say it again. The spirit inside me is better than Jesus beside me because he could only be beside me if he wasn't beside you. And when he was with you, he couldn't be with someone else. But now the spirit inside me can be in the spirit inside us. Jesus said he'll be with you and he'll be in you. How powerful is that? So the second thing, first was the arrival of his parents' presence. The second thing, and he's indwelling. The second thing, he supplies the power for missions. And I've got to think about, you know, heading towards a close soon. Um, give me a few more minutes, but he supplies power for mission. If you didn't know this, um, um, I'm sure it's not going to come as a surprise to most of you. If you belong to Christ Life Ministries, uh, and of course, you and Taryn know this, having been part of Spirit Word, and ACF knows this, we were born into a mission. We were born for a purpose. We're not a born again, just to idle away our lives, waiting for eternity somehow that either we die or he appears and we're changed. And uh, we idle through life and, and at best, 
you know, the, the, the purpose for my life is just to be a good citizen of South Africa and just submit to the government where I can, say yes, where I can, know where I should, and, and that kind of thing. And raise, no, no, you've got a higher purpose, a higher calling. You have a mission. But in order to accomplish that mission, you have to have power. Jesus said, you shall receive power to be my witnesses. We are called to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, listen, not all of you have a, a pulpit or a church, but all of you are preachers. All of you are declarers. All of you, all of us are proclaimers. All of us are called um, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether it's across a dinner table, whether it's um, at a sick bed, whether it's across a desk at work, whether it's, you know, um, on, on Facebook or whatever social media, every single one of us are preachers. Listen, you are a witness before you are a minister in the church. Before you have any function in the church, you're a witness of Jesus Christ. And so he came to give us power for that mission. And to them, he told them to be their witnesses beginning in Jerusalem, extending to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's really amazing that when the Spirit of God fell, he fell upon that whole group of 120. And when somebody said, what does this mean? The Apostle Peter stood up, interpreted the events, and fitted into biblical context and preached from verses 14 to 21 and uh, and preached and gave an altar call in which many were saved he capitalized an opportunity come on church there are many opportunities that are presenting to presented to us every single day and we can take those opportunities we can make opportunities and we can take opportunities to share the gospel of jesus christ you know so many people and i think it's become an escapism thing where we quote one of the great divines when they said preach the gospel by all means and use words if use words if necessary now understand what they're saying because there are so many people you know their lives betray their words but our lives need to uh, complement and supplement our words but listen here church there's no substitute for words we need to declare you can't just say well i'll just let my life preach it your life needs to preach it as well but you need to use words peter is a demonstration peter's a model they didn't just stand and say well we'll just let our lives glow forth you know, and the people will get saved. They said, what's the meaning of this? Peter used words, scripture to declare. And so, um, you know the story, 3,000 people get saved. And, and there's no time to read it all. But he stood with the 11, lifted his voice and addressed the men of Judea, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known and give ear to my words. I'll only read a few verses. For these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. He preaches it, he mentions it. And then he talks about the fact in verse 32, this G Jesus God raised up and, and that we are all witnesses. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promised or the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. You know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something people need to experience. For David, through our lives, for David did not um, ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. So he says in verse 36, let all the house of Israel therefore know of a certain that God has made him, that's Jesus, now both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And so what happened was when the people heard these words, it says they were cut to the heart and they all said, brothers, what shall we do to be saved? Isn't it amazing? When you read it, that particular portion, you read it, it doesn't seem particularly powerful. Yet when it was infused and endued with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it cut right through to their hearts and brought a conviction of their condition, which lead to repentance. And then Paul assisted them to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then they were baptized. And Peter promises, uh, uh, continues, and with many other words, bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. 3,000 people saved. Just from this, you can see Peter was now powerful. He was not the hiding, cowering, Jesus-denying apostle of previous days. Here stood a man infused, endued, imbued, and empowered with the Holy Spirit. And it comes across in his speech, power, powerful. And in his sermon, he connects what happens 
with Old Testament prophecy. He declares that Jesus was crucified. He was resurrected. He, asser he asserts that uh, the Lordship of Jesus is both Christ and Messiah. He immediately in this message connects that to the headship of Christ to his body. And in so doing, he connects the body on earth to the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the same power and influence that's in the head is now in the body. It's so amazing. On the day of Pentecost, um, when, um, not on the day of Pentecost, but the parallel scripture to this, or the parallel occasion to this, is the giving of the Lord, Mount Sinai, as I mentioned, and the day of Pentecost. 3,000 3, people died, 3,000 people lived and are saved. The third thing, it signals the birth of the church, and as we've already mentioned. So it's the arrival of the Spirit, it's empowerment for service, and the third thing is the birthday of the church. The church is born. 3,000 people get saved. You've got a church. Well, it was already a church at 120. Well, it was already a church at 12. But now, you know, in all essence, the uh, church is born. So the Holy Spirit is also power for us to live as Christians. It's really amazing. Um, I, I just want to read these few verses. Acts 2, uh, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves, this is the 3,000, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. Four cornerstones, four foundations of, of any church. And all came upon every soul around, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Man, how powerful. So I want to just say this again. The baptism in the Holy Spirit did not happen in the upper room. That's where they slept. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, in order to fulfill types and shadows and symbols, happened inside the temple. You can see from these verses, they met at the temple courts daily. Because, it, uh, just a practical point, the 120, if it was in the, in the upper room, uh, men and women were not allowed to sleep in the same room together. Only a husband and wife could. And, and so they could not have, um, you know, you know that's, that's where they met. But it was the baptism in the Holy Spirit um, was on the day of Pentecost. Uh, um, sorry, was in the temple. Okay, here we go. So the local church, we see from these verses, the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit to be a church. So number one, they glorified God through worship. Number two, they submitted to Christ in discipleship. In other words, they, they, um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to teaching, to the study of the word. They related to one another in, in true koinonia fellowship. They gave, they ministered to one another in ministry, and then they reached out to the lost in evangelism. What powerful core values. So number one, core values, there was a divine dependence. Isn't it amazing when you look at these 120, they had no resources. There was no wealthy people amongst them. There was no people of note and influence and fame and fortune that could go along and, and give them an influence. Everything, their influence, their power, the impact was because of the Holy Spirit. At best, they were blue collar workers. You know, they weren't the, the, the elite of the world. You know, God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. But there was a divine dependence. There was personal evangelism, everyone a witness. There was biblical instruction. There was authentic community. There was selfless service. And then, of course, there was global mission. And, you know, it took time for them to get out there. You know, uh, it's, it's amazing. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. Um, you know, Acts 8.1 persecution came and scattered them. And so they went out into global missions. The, the amazing thing is the whole dynamic. And I know that our churches reflect that, but you know, it needs to be like that some more. So for example, you know, they weren't Sunday only Christians. It says they met with one another daily. They cared for one another daily. They won lost people to Christ daily. They searched the scriptures daily. They increased in number daily. Their faith was a day today reality in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just routine. We're heading down to a close. I want to just say this, the, the dynamic of the Holy Spirit, he has a ministry to us. He has a ministry in us. He has a ministry through us. He comes as the spirit of truth. He baptizes us 
into the body of Christ. He fills us and that baptism of, of the fullness of his spirit is in us. We are waterlogged. We are waterlogged, baptized Christians. You know, that happened on the day of Pentecost that they were baptized into the body. Now it's any time anybody accepts Jesus Christ as their savior, they're immediately baptized into the body, but they still need the to receive the, and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. As I come to a close, for me, um, Pentecost has got three realities besides what I've mentioned. And the first is this, I have someone who is always with me. And that someone is Jesus. He never left me as an orphan. I don't have an orphan complex, an orphan um, um, personality. I'm not in an orphan abandoned syndrome. No, no, no. I have somebody who's with me. He's Emmanuel. He's not only with me, but he's inside of me. And, um, you know, he, yeah, he, you know, he's my helper. He's the someone that was to come. He's alongside me. He's inside of me. He inspires me. He anoints me. He gives me utterance and ability. You know, we need the Holy Spirit. Cheers. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I have someone who is always with me, and he's a real someone. And secondly, I have somewhere to belong. You know, the Holy Spirit is not into lone range of Christians. He baptizes you into the body, the body in general, but you also need to be, in a sense, baptized into your local body. Come on, you know, great churches online and we're doing Zoom and all this kind of thing, but you need to belong to a body. You need to be baptized into the body of Christ and a local body as well. <coughs> Sorry, a bit of a tickle. And so you need to be baptized into a local body, part of a local church. You can't just live stream and watch online. I know it's conducive and it suits you and all that kind of thing. But you need people. And guess what? People need you and the gifting that's uniquely inside of you. So I have someone who's with me and in me. I have somewhere to belong. I'm not a lone ranger. I've got ministry inside of me that needs expression. The church of Jesus Christ is richer with you it's poorer without you. And thirdly, I have something to do. These are, the, these are the three things that, besides the others, that Pentecost means to me. You know, my life has got purpose. I was a little boy growing up, you know, in the backwoods in Woodville, Bulawayo. You know, we were just an ordinary um, family, just struggling to go along, nothing notable, nothing outstanding about us. But when I surrendered my life to Jesus, he filled my life. He picked me up and took me somewhere, made me a son made me a, a child of uh, the king. He gave me a purpose and a destiny. He's taken me to many nations of the world and to reach and touch people's lives. And you have that same destiny, that same purpose. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you lack nothing, no spiritual gift as you eagerly wait the manifestation of Jesus Christ. So wow, man, I've got something to do. I've got places to go, people to see, and a lot of stuff to do. And I ain't stopping, not at all. And so in conclusion, there's no lack. There's no lack. There's no shortage. Jesus would have been cruel to say, be my witnesses. It would have been unkind of him to say, go and do what I'm doing without giving us the same power he had, without giving us access to that same limitless resource because we would be doing it in human effort. No, no. Jesus called us to a supernatural life. So he imbued us with a supernatural super person. Come on, you're a superman, a superwoman for the Lord Jesus Christ. So the day of Pentecost, a day of rejoicing, a day of celebration, he arrived, he indwells us. The church was born and he's given us power for a mission. You have somebody with you. You have somewhere to belong. And oh my goodness, you've got a lot to do. Listen, you've got the rest of your the life ahead of you. You've got so much for Christ, so much purpose, so much destiny. Um, if I was you, I would ask for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, just a fresh infilling. Now, just before we continue, I just want to ask, maybe you're watching this and just going, man, this really sounds exciting. I want to tell you, <laughs> along with all of those that are, are listening to that experience, it really is exciting. If you've never, or if you've just got cold and gone away from the Lord, why don't you invite him or re-invite him into your life? Why don't you say, Lord Jesus, 
This sounds so awesome. This sounds so wonderful. I want to submit or resubmit. I want to reconnect my life to you. I want to, I want to just connect with you, Lord Jesus. Would you please come into my heart and to be my savior? I, I, would you make me your, make me your child? I, I, you know, I've got this orphan spirit. I, I feel like I need adoption. I, I, need, I need to belong. I need a father. I need a brother. Won't you just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Um, I, I've lived my life I'm not acknowledging you, not fully acknowledging you, but I, I turn away. I repent. I change my thinking. I change my direction and I'm turning towards you. Lord Jesus, please, would you come into my heart and my life? I receive you. Thank you that you receive me now as your child. I'm born again. Would you indwell me? Now, why don't we ask? Maybe you have not yet received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's just the mechanics of it. Um, maybe you've never spoken in tongues before and you think, this really sounds awesome. What does it sound like? Well, um, all of us, wherever you are, you can just start to pray. Maybe just join me. It kind of sounds like your language will sound different. I never learned this. It just came instantaneously in a moment. When I believed and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's the tongue of angels, the tongue of men. It's heavenly. Maybe just begin to pray in tongues. Maybe you don't know and saying, well, what was that? Uh, the Lord just gave me the interpretation. The Lord says, if you will hear, if you will submit, if you will turn to me, this is a new day for you. I want to tell you everything shall become new. You shall enter into your destiny and your purpose. This shall be the greatest day, the greatest moment of your life, says the Lord. That was what I said in that language. So everybody praying in the Holy Ghost. Why don't we just ask him, Lord Jesus, will you just fill me afresh today? Today is a celebration. Today is rejoicing. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember the whole process, his ascension. We remember the fact that he's now both Lord and Christ and he's poured out the precious Holy Spirit. And we've received power to become witnesses. We are birthed as the church. And we have this mission for which we are empowered. We have power to live as Christians. Man, what a glorious truth. The Spirit of God is inside me. He's the Spirit of truth. And he's convincing me that I'm a child of God. He leads me to truth becoming true on a daily basis. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you into our lives. And um, just keep praying. Trust God for a new tongue, a new sound, a new language, a fresh infilling. Wow, what a word, what a teaching. <laughs> Thank you so much, Pastor John. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, one day I'll be able to teach like that. What an inspiration. <laughs> what a blessing. What an anointed word. It's so powerful, so amazing. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your power that's given to us. Thank you for the abundance of your grace. Thank you for your glory. What, what an awesome privilege that we have such a mission that, that we can be used by the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's plan and purpose through his body on this earth. Wow, what a blessing. Right, so I, I'm not going to say anything on top of that, but you have a lot to chew on. Please listen to this message again and again and again and again. This is a study. It's not, it's not just, a, just a message. So there's so much in there. <laughs> but thank you for joining us. Thank you, Pastor John, for blessing us. And uh, we will surely be, be talking afterwards. But uh, what an awesome privilege to have heard this.